You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Cupney, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra with Sheldon Jones. How you feeling, man? I know you're in COVID protocol. You missed, ooh, what was it, 37 straight Labor Day classics, and you missed your first one, or at least watching it at home? Yeah, I'm, I'm almost finished, but at, at first, that first quarter, it definitely sucked being at home. Yeah, you were but, like, yeah. damn. <laughs> I want to be there. Fun, well, uh, you know. I, I miss getting a hug from my boy here, so that hurt more than not being at the game. Well, hey, we'll see you at Monday Night Raw in Edmonton in uh, a few That's weeks. Great. Looking forward to that, man. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. And Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business is tough. And they understand that business owners in Alberta are busy. So let Alberta Blue Cross give you peace of mind with a group benefit plan. They offer health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. And Alberta Blue Cross group benefit plans are easy to manage anywhere, anytime time and on any device, making it easy for you and your employees to access. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. In a week of Labor Day rematches, or I guess there's only two of them this time around, but the Montreal Alouettes are home to the BC Lions Friday Night Football, where the Lions are four and a half point favorites. The over-under set at 54 and a half, and you couldn't write it any better. The Montreal Alouettes trading Vernon Adams Jr. to BC a couple weeks ago. Well, Vernon Adams looking to make his BC debut, not only against Montreal, but in Montreal. I think this is suddenly a very intriguing matchup, Sheldon. Oh, 100%. I'm very excited. Uh, I, if Vernon starts, uh, he's going to have a lot of fire under him, a little bit of piss and vinegar to get back at Machocha. Uh, so, and like, look at the weapons he has in BC. Now. Oh yeah, That's unreal. So, but if he even if he doesn't start, like I, I'm, I'm sure they'll have a package set up for him where he can come in there and we'll change a pace from either O'Connor or Pipkin or whoever's playing. But yeah, it's going to be a fun game to watch. I think. I wonder how Antonio Pipkin's feeling because he's he basically lost the job to VA in Montreal <laughs> a couple of years ago. And if you look at the Lions injury report right now, Michael O'Connor limited in two days of practice this week. He's got the adductor injury going on. So I think it just makes sense to get Vernon Adams in there and let him create magic. You're right. He's got the... He's got the receivers to make it happen. I, I think he's at his best when he's in the backfield, improvising, just doing what he does because he's that good of an athlete. I'm a believer in Vernon Adams, and I'm a believer in Jordan Maximic being able to create an offense that is going to work for him. But I do think the Lions, they need to start having a more balanced attack because Nathan Rourke, 
could slice and dice your defense just like the Ninja Turtles on a pizza full of anchovies. Sorry, they don't like the anchovies. <laughs> <laughs> but James Butler getting just over two yards a carry over his past 32 carries. Remember in week one, dominant. But oh. since then, not much going on in the Lions' backfield, and that's going to be big for that offense, Sheldon. Oh, for sure. Like, well, yeah, look at the riders, right? You have to have a balanced attack or else nothing's going to work for you. And I think with if VA isn't there, like you said, he's like that Sandlot type guy who's just going to run around for his life and find somebody open. Um, but if they can get play action working with that, like if they can have a legit threat of Butler like he was in the first couple weeks, it's going to be a long night for Montreal. Yeah, and as far as Montreal goes, they need to get that defensive line going. I've been trying to figure out what was the magic that they had against Winnipeg because that magic is apparently gone. And <laughs> I don't know I don't know if anyone's going to like me saying this, but Winnipeg's not that good. I don't think like they're, they're starting slow. <laughs> yeah, they're eleven and one, but they're starting slow. Like, yeah, like I think it's just every game they've started slow, and, and I think they've made some defensive lines, some defenses look better than they are, especially in the first half of the games. Obviously, they've been turning it on in the second half, but um, that's why I just don't know if it's Montreal has regressed that much or if they just look that good against Winnipeg just because of slow starts. Yeah, you, you've been on the show twice, three times this season, and uh, you were right around the time when Winnipeg beat Toronto on the missed extra point. And it's like, what's going on with them? Because, I mean, credit to the Riders. I think a lot of people thought that they were going to get smashed at Labor Day, but they had Winnipeg. And several teams have had Winnipeg this year. Montreal just happens to be the only one that was able to escape with a win. <laughs> yeah. When uh, Mark Leggio missed missed those two kicks, but it, it still needs to be said that they need that pressure from that defensive line. Whatever they did against Winnipeg, they need to do it here against BC. Uh, the Owls could see some new faces on their defense, uh, some faces that Noel Thorpe is familiar with because he had them. In Edmonton, Nafis Lyons uh, headed to Montreal a couple of weeks ago in a trade, so he could be making his uh, debut with the Owls. And Thomas Costigan could get on the defensive line for the Owls. And this being said, it's crazy that <laughs> the East Division, because it's so close, even though there's several games, three teams, several games under 500. Every week, it's overreaction theater. Like, when the Owls win, it's like, oh, here they go, home playoffs. And then they lose, and everybody's writing them <laughs> off again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't know if yeah. it's the Gary Stern stuff or what. I don't know. Well, like, somebody with a losing record is going to host a playoff, host two playoff games in the East this year, yeah. it seems. So, like, it's everyone but Hamilton's ball game there, I think. I think Hamilton's done, obviously. Now it but, seems like it, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, like, Montreal could still finish first very easily. Ottawa could still somehow finish first. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Crazy. But this is a opportunity for Montreal because they're in the middle of basically a month straight playing at Percival Molson. This is 
third of four straight home games for the Alouettes. And you got BC traveling across country with the new quarterback, hopefully being able to hit the books and get that uh, new offense under his belt and figure that out quickly, but they're coming off a bye themselves. And the Lions do head to Montreal with a new weapon in the return game. Terry Williams making his Lions debut after being acquired for a third rounder and a conditional 2024 pick from Ottawa. Terry Williams leads the league in kickoff return yards, but when Devontae Dedman returned to Ottawa, Terry Williams wasn't going to crack the receiving core, so now he gets to go to BC, and BC gets a legitimate returner, and he gets to play. So that one might be big for the Lions, because special teams, their kicking game, I think, is pretty solid. But the return game, that is another area where they've struggled this year. But again, all covered up because Nathan Rourke, whether he needs to go 40 yards or 108 yards, he was able to do it this season. Hopefully Terry yeah. Williams will be able to give them some short fields to work with in BC. Hopefully, yeah. Well, for BC's sake, anyway. (laughs) As for injury reports, it does seem that overall Montreal is pretty healthy. Uh, BC, though, it's going to be a pretty big, I think, absence. Uh, TJ Lee went down against Saskatchewan a couple weeks ago. uh, 100 games played in the CFL. Hasn't practiced this week with the hamstring injury. But the the back end in BC is strong. They have one of the most, I think, exciting secondaries in the league. But TJ Lee, a leader on that team, and it'll be tough without him. The Lions giving up the least passing yards a game. Less than 235 pass yards a game. Talk about their offense a lot, but the the defense is solid, man. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. it's weird even like when they were they were up so much earlier in the season, you'd think that those passing yards would be inflated because the teams were passing on you them. You think? Uh, so that's that's actually pretty incredible. Because you'd think the teams would be trying to keep up with them there, and yeah. I guess not. And and their, their third-best rush defense only giving up 84 yards a game on the ground. So a solid defense in BC in a, an intriguing matchup with Vernon Adams playing the Alouettes. Now, Saturday, triple header, super Saturday in the CFL. Do you like these triple headers, Sheldon? I do. Uh, I I like just parking on my couch and watching the games. Uh, it's it's no different than NFL Sunday. Basically, there's an early game, a middle game, and a late night game. So I don't I don't get why there's so much people. So many people are against these triple headers. I think it's just maybe because it's a Saturday and people want to do stuff on Saturday. I guess, but no, it's nine hours of football sounds great to me. I think maybe it's because it's a CFL thing and a lot of the diehards on Twitter do watch all four games. The CFL is a league where you can watch every game. If you watch every NFL game, that's impressive, man. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like, like probably the average, like, hardcore NFL fan would be watching that morning game that afternoon and then the Sunday nighter. So there's a little bit of a break in between, I think, the, the last two games there. But so... But yeah, but you're I think, right. Uh, somebody in Winnipeg might want to watch all three games, but if you're attending that game, it makes it tough mm-hmm. uh, to True. watch yeah, all of fair. them. But if 
you're in San Francisco. I don't think you care about watching uh, <laughs> the Giants yeah. and the and Washington <laughs> or whoever. Yeah. You just yeah. you just care about your game that day. Although my first trip to an NFL game was 2006. I went to a Raiders Broncos game, and it was CFL playoffs. And in the tailgate, they had screens with the CFL games on. It was like, yeah, oh, cool. this is oh, awesome. Nice. <laughs> and the guys yeah. sitting next to us. We're from Nova Scotia. It's like, oh, sweet. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, the, the Andrew Walter led Oakland Raiders with Randy Moss, one of the worst teams I've ever seen. Man, they're worse than the, some of the Edmonton Elks performances this season. Uh, <laughs> Ottawa, home at to home the, at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ottawa home to the Toronto Argonauts. The Argos are one and a half point favorites. The over under set at forty seven. Now Ottawa beat Toronto at the end of July, but a different team now. Now they've got Devontae Deadman, and now they've got Nick Arbuckle starting, and it's his first start against his former team. So it might be the Nick Arbuckle redemption tour, beating his former team in Edmonton a couple weeks ago, now beating his former team in the Toronto Argonauts. I, the Red Blacks have a legit chance to end that home home drought. Or what do you think here? I, I'm just, I just keep saying, well, they're playing at home, so it's not going to happen. Oh, that's the... If you, if you tell <laughs> an Ottawa fan, they're yeah. like, Ugh. Yeah. No, you're right. Like, because... Nick's got some fire there, I'm sure. He, you know, it's never it's never a good thing to be undesirable to a team and to get traded away. And four teams in what four years, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like him and VA are very, very similar in that. Like it's it's hopefully they can find that team that's gonna actually take them and give them give them the belief that they are that starting quarterback. Uh, but like I said, I, I want to see Ottawa win at home. Do I think it's going to happen? Not this week, but we'll see. Yeah. You're going Argos? Well, I, I think I'm this, going Argos, yeah. this is an interesting game. The last two weeks, uh, well, he threw for 313 against Montreal, a touchdown, no picks. Uh, in Edmonton, 21-32 for 219. No turnovers there, but the <laughs> the turnover to interception ratio, still not pretty on the season. Uh, three TDs, yeah. 10 interceptions, trying to fix that. But what you like is 2-0 and and two starts with the Ottawa Red Blacks. And they get yet some more help as defensive back Brandon Danbridge is back with the Ottawa Red Blacks. He had four picks with the team last year. He spent training camp with Kansas City. So that adds another element to, I think, an already solid Red Blacks defense that lately has been really good at pressuring the quarterback, especially with Lorenzo Malden. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, there's a little bit of rust coming back from the NFL. Uh, we saw it with Braden Lenius this last week. Uh, so yeah. hopefully for him, he uh, he doesn't have that much. He can shake it off a little quicker so he doesn't affect the game negatively. Uh, but, yeah, I know he's definitely a big help getting back. Uh, as for, I mean, Toronto's coming off their first win on Labor Day in a decade. So <laughs> that, they're riding that high. Yeah. It wasn't pretty, and I, I realized they were against some very inexperienced quarterbacks in Hamilton. 
So it's a little bit of a different situation uh, going into Ottawa. But I, I'm intrigued by that A.J. Olet. I'm a fan of him. The guy just, oh, he, he just. Gamer. Yeah, he runs over people. He runs hard. And what, he had six catches last week? If they continue yeah. to keep him a part of that passing game, maybe a solid fantasy option at running back. There's been it's been kind of weird this year. A lot of times it'll be, you know, the backup guy coming in and making an explosive play or getting a touchdown. We we've seen it with Peyton Logan in Calgary, and I know Frankie Hickson is now the starting guy in Saskatchewan, but early this season, even he would come in as a change of pace mm-hmm. guy and and blow you away and get a big long run, but A.J. Olette, I, I think they really need to get him the ball more. And if he's going to be a part of the passing game, it's going to be a handful for Ottawa. I agree. And and you saw, like, a kind of rejuvenated Brandon Banks last week. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he can get his son to come to this game, too, because <laughs> that seemed to help him out a lot. But yeah. uh, you know he's going to want to have a, another game like that, too, so – they can find again, like you said earlier with BC, if they can get that balanced attack and spread the ball around and not just try to if if MBT isn't just trying to chuck it down to speedy all the time. That's that's kind of why I think Toronto is gonna win, just because I think that they're gonna ride the success off Labor Day and it's Ottawa at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Toronto's offensive line, there's been so much shuffling there. Now, Peter Nicastro started at center all last year for Toronto, but he had an offseason knee surgery, so he hasn't been playing there. Justin Lawrence has been at center. And then they had to shuffle Philip Blake to left tackle last week. And I know it's the Hamilton defensive line, and in the middle, <laughs> they are not easy to limit. Mm-hmm. Um, so Micah Johnson and Dylan Wynn can be a bit of a handful, and they were giving uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson some some fits. Uh, so the Toronto offensive line, uh, th- there has been some shuffling around here and there, and they'll want to be more consistent because these are a big couple games. Like you said, the Argos are in first, but not by much, and their next mm-hmm. two games are against Ottawa. Maybe it's likely that they split, but if Ottawa wins these next two, they've got a legit shot of hosting the East final, which is wild. Yeah. And they'll have like five or six wins at the end of the year. (laughs) I I know. But that's the CFL, man. I love it. Oh, yeah. I can't – like – we get to be fans in the in like obviously we're fans of the league, but our team is in the West and it's you know pretty competitive. Like I can't even imagine what it's like to be a an Eastern team fan. Like we're like nine and nine is like a thirteen and five Western <laughs> record. Like it's it's tough. Like well, if you look at the Riders six and six, there was yeah. a time not that long ago where a five hundred season in Regina is. Cause for celebration, <laughs> like yeah, yes. you went nine and nine and won and won the Labor Day. You won the Grey Cup. <laughs> oh, and hey, the '89 team in Saskatchewan won the Grey Cup at nine and nine. Right. So it doesn't matter what your regular season is, but it's funny oh, how sure. expectations can change in just a short short amount of time. So this series, Ottawa-Toronto's big, and the the wrinkle is that they've both got a bye week in the middle of it. 
So they'll mm. probably be throwing a different looks at each other in a couple of weeks. But yeah, what Ottawa has won one of their last twenty home games. Like that is that's brutal. It's unfortunate for our nation. It's a, a nice little news piece for you know podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I want the the Red Black fans to get a home win. I do. I want the Elks fans to get a home win. Just, it's not going to happen this week. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Devontae Williams running back for the Ottawa Red Blacks. He has maybe added some balance to that uh, offense as well. Since Nick Arbuckle has come in, they've given him 27 carries over the past two games. He's at a 4.8 yards per carry average. So he has performed pretty well in the backfield. But that defense in Toronto... They're legit. Jamal Peters leads the league in interceptions. I know Hamilton has helped them out a little bit with that. Four interceptions in the past two weeks. Uh, And maybe what we've seen from Hamilton is straight up fear of running the ball against, against Hamilton. Or sorry, Toronto against Ham. Or sorry, yeah, yeah. Hamilton against Toronto. They just have not wanted to run the ball against that front, or maybe they just don't care about running it at all. Uh, Ottawa, I think they they need to, again, continue with the balance, help Arbuckle out, and try to beat down the Argos. But that's that's easier said than done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Trying to get by their D-line, and even past Hinoch Mwamba because he's still playing a high level of football for the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah, Ottawa needs to just keep their – their offense needs to sustain drives yeah. and get points uh, because, again, much like the Riders, when you, don't, when you don't sustain those offensive drives, your defense can do whatever it wants in the first three quarters, but then once it comes to time to the fourth quarter, they get tired – and then, you know, a big play happens, and then the wheels fall off. Well, that's the thing. They put up 38 points on Montreal. Ottawa did. Um, but I think it was only two offensive touchdowns. So yeah. uh, Toronto's going to need to limit those mistakes. Uh, if Bethel Thompson's going to throw another couple interceptions, I think Ottawa will now be able to make you pay a little bit more than Hamilton was able to because they, they didn't make him pay at all. If we that's go to the... Injury report for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, Sherrod Baltimore, hamstring injury, uh, hasn't practiced this week. So we'll see if Danbridge gets to play. I'm not sure. Um, And it'll be a good addition to the offensive line veteran. Ucombre Williams back practicing. He uh, dealt with the flu last week. And Red Blacks fans will be happy to know that Lorenzo Malden practicing in full on Wednesday after being limited on Tuesday. But it's a tough, tough stretch for Toronto just because they played on Monday and then on Saturday against Ottawa. They get one full day of practice on Thursday. So that is not ideal for for the Argos. Javon Leak hasn't practiced. The, the running back, Robert Priester, still not practicing. And curiously enough, they've gone into the past couple games with no fullbacks. Uh, Joe Carbone is not hurt. Declan Cross now limited in practice. So maybe he will... Uh, 
add some help to an offensive line with uh, with the Toronto Argonauts. Again, the CFL.ca website messing me up because it has both teams listed as Ottawa. <laughs> Good thing that I was able to figure that one out on the fly. <laughs> okay. Banjo Bull. Bombers listed at seven point favorites. <laughs> the over under is set at forty four. Hey, we'll say it's Sarah or podcast now, right? Yeah, <laughs> Sarah Orleski's last CFL game on the sideline as she takes a job with the Winnipeg Jets. Congratulations to her. I was at two Labor Day classics or one day before Labor Day Classic, and then a Labor Day Classic in Regina. I love not here. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Regina and Calgary. Yeah, I'm shell-shocked from that guy. Uh, And uh, (laughs) she got two standing ovations, one in Regina and one in Calgary. Well-deserved. So all the best to Sarah Orleski working on... uh, on the the ice sport, it's really really too bad. But she she'll be used to the cold anyway, even though it's more climate yeah. controlled. <laughs> yeah, I know she's been she's been awesome. She's been like the, the standard of you know the the CFL sideline reporter for so many years. It's kind of like you know when we lost Chris Cuthbert a couple of years ago. Uh, so uh, happy for her. You know she's gonna have a little bit more stable life, not having to leave yeah, Winnipeg. Yeah. So that's that's good for her. Um, but we'll definitely miss her on the sidelines for sure. The big news, Garrett Marino being released by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And the curious thing, is that peace? <laughs> the, the curious thing is maybe the timing of this. Um, since he's come back from the four-game suspension, he has gotten one fine. Um <laughs> Probably would have gotten another suspension if he did connect with Lucky Whitehead. Um, and there was a play in the Labor Day Classic where he knocked Zach Kalaros on his keister. Wasn't flagged for it. Um, when I watched it back, I heard people talking about it. I think it's because of the name. <laughs> if it was another D lineman, it's probably non-news, but... Everything adding up. Garrett Marino reportedly not happy with not being listed listed as a starter on a depth chart, even though starting on the field. And then I kind of wonder if the, the the Twitter situation after Sunday's Labor Day game didn't help his cause either. Either way, given multiple chances and uh, the Rough Riders gave him another chance. It was reported that the locker room wanted to give him another chance. They did, and it was the same kind of stuff. So they're moving on. And now the big thing here is that the CFL issuing a memo regarding Garrett Marino, basically saying that, just a reminder, we don't have to register a contract with a new team if we deem that it's a good reason not to register that contract referencing player safety in Garrett Marino's. So that seems the leaving it up to the riders because the league didn't want to step in on this thing. And and maybe the riders should have done it a a little bit sooner here, but the whole thing is kind of fishy. I think with the league now stepping in now 
Uh, but they probably have a problem with the PA if they tell the riders get rid of this guy, right? Yeah, like I think. Okay, so here's mini <laughs> rant or whatever. So I don't think, like you said, the hit in the game this week was was whatever. It was just whatever. But yeah, it's his name. But I was I was texting you at the game, and there was a time where I thought he was going to drill Zach. They're in the fourth like, quarter. It was very close, and he held off. And I was like, wow, he actually held off. That's and he good. held Maybe off he on changed. the one where he actually hit Zach, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so so I was like, and then after he did that hit on him and whatever, and it's just like, okay. And then he his tweet after the game was stupid uh, again. And then yeah. obviously... Ariel told him to delete it and make his Twitter private and whatever. <laughs> but um, the thing that I just don't like, he was a distraction cut and dry. He was given chances. So you, you move on from that's fine. I, I don't think he did anything necessarily that you, sh- that team shouldn't be able to sign him. But the thing that I don't like about this is they allegedly sent a memo to the teams if that's how the league feels, or if that's how Randy Ambrosi feels as the league's spokesperson, he should have made a statement on that, I believe. We've seen it happen because, before with players like exactly. Jacob Ruby and yeah. Yeah, and Kyrie Zibert, I think, that, and Hardy when Chris Jones tried yeah. to sign Hardy. Yeah. But like, so it just kind of seems like they're going backdoor on this so that Randy doesn't look like a bad guy for saying we don't want Marino in our league. So I, I just I don't think that's a good look. Either he's allowed to sign with the team and you make it so, or you make it so he can't. Don't. It just seems like it's p it's prbs to me. But yeah, it is I, what it is. He's he's not a rider anymore. Yeah, I kind of distractions gone. Yeah, I was like you said on the pod earlier this week. I was kind of like hoping to see how he's going to handle this bomber crowd again. Yeah, I know. Me too. Last year at the Patrick Bowl. <laughs> um, but we won't know, and that's fine with me. Yeah, we'll see if he, I mean, if he does get a job in the CFL or if he's done forever or if next year he's given another chance. I mean, the guy can be effective and pretty good at eating up double teams on the D line in the middle, but uh, we'll, <laughs> it's gone. And hopefully, we don't need to really talk about his incidents going forward in the CFL I, because I think we're all done with that. Yeah, and I also I also wonder if it's like a deflection too because you know a lot of Rider Nation has a, another person in mind that we I was feel should say, maybe we, get the axe. And so maybe this is we're giving you one, so shut up and leave us alone. <laughs> but, well, now Duke Williams can take penalties in uniform, so that that's a that's good news. <laughs> I was talking about somebody else, but yes, Duke oh, Williams you were? too. Who? Yeah, Jason Moss. Oh, <laughs> I guess there's a lot of options in Saskatchewan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like. Yeah, there's a lot of people like. Whatever, Duke got a penalty on the sidelines. He shouldn't have. He's an idiot for doing it. He's not the person who called a pass on first and five in field goal territory. Yeah. So that's the way I feel. <laughs> More shuffling on the offensive line for the Riders, which which is not good. Uh, Logan Furland and 
Taron Vaughn haven't played and Josiah St. John moving into right guard with Cooper Richardson, a new face at tackle. Uh, of course, it's early in the week uh, before Saturday's game in Winnipeg. And when St. John got knocked out of the Labor Day game, uh, he was playing tackle. And then like the very next play, Fajardo was under fire. So th- yeah, he didn't play bad. No. Like, like everyone, myself included, was like, holy, we're putting in Josiah St. John on tackle. And no, he was, he was actually pretty fine. Uh, Is if he can play, like, why are you not putting it back at tackle? He he did the job. Yeah. And uh, the, the injury kind of changed the course of the game for a little bit there. So we'll see. And I think the rider all O-line, they just need some continuity here. Um, when they're, when they're playing together, they will play better. And when they start shuffling around, that's that's not good. I think for any offensive line. Good news is Frankie Hickson uh, has 214 yards in two starts since taking over for Jamal Morrow, and he is a legit threat. He had a great Labor Day game against Winnipeg. He he runs angry, and I love this guy's style. They just didn't which give him the ball. Which is crazy because, sorry, which is crazy because he's so lovable. Like yeah. when you listen to his voice, he's like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. When he gets the ball, he looks <laughs> mad. Like, yeah. but he <laughs> and, does, then, and he does it not in the Andrew Harris way. Like right. he just he doesn't do that stupid run oh. after. He just gives the ball and he's like, you know. I, I got this. Like, give it's me like the ball. When, when Harris gains seven yards and he runs another 40 after the play, it's like, come on. <laughs> but they didn't give him the ball when it mattered the most. Um, no. As for no, Winnipeg, they, they haven't practiced much this week yet ahead of Saturday's game, um, but they have brought back Kelvin McKnight. Uh, to the fold. He started the season with the Bombers, didn't suit up, suit up for any games, and he did spend time on the practice roster released in August, but they have brought him back. I, I do wonder what this means for the future of Greg Ellingson, who's been uh, banged up in Winnipeg. And w- One of the conversations is that receiver depth is not where Winnipeg needs it to be, but it has been covered up, I think, by the plays that Kolaris is able to make. He extends the play and finds 83 or 82, and it's enough. It's enough to get a first down or get them out of some sticky situations. With, like, this Winnipeg offense runs the scramble drill better than any team oh. I have ever seen. The receivers like, get open, just, yeah. They just know how to get open. They know how to find those spots, and it's like, you see Claire's running and you're like, oh, okay, well, this is going to be a big play. <laughs> like, <laughs> you just assume. And more times than not, it is. It's, it's, it's incredible. Day one of bomber practice did see Michael Couture back at center. So uh, a, a veteran getting back on the offensive line. Is it Kolakowski who's been at center for the team right now? And, hey, he's, he's filled in pretty well. And... Yeah. Brandon Alexander spotted at safety, the punishing safety that has been with the Bombers over the past several seasons. And it, we don't know if he's going to be able to play in in this Banjo Bowl, 
but it does appear that he's prepping to return to the lineup soon, and that will be a big addition to Winnipeg's defense. A leader in the secondary because the, the Bombers have shown that you're able to move the ball on them more this year than than last year. They were sure. they were at a, another level when it came to that, but with Alexander back there, receiver's going to have another player just to look out for. Yeah, hopefully he's uh, good for next week and not this week. <laughs> well, and then, and then he might be playing the Riders in a couple weeks in in Winnipeg. If you look at the Riders' injury report, not looking good so far after one when day was it ever? <laughs> of practice. <laughs> On the defensive line, now I know they released Garrett Marino, but Charbel DeBeer not practicing. He's got the hand, hand injury. I thought maybe, is it Anthony Lanier? Uh, they thought that maybe the release of Marino was a sign that he was good to go. Hasn't practiced as of yet with the head injury. AC Leonard not practiced on Wednesday because of the shoulder injury. That's just three defensive linemen right there. Might be a pistol Pete. <laughs> we got PD Robertson. That's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's a tough spot for the Riders going into Winnipeg because again, I, I thought that maybe they're their chance to beat Winnipeg this year was the Labor Day game, and yeah, it, it just did not go their way. Good news on the defensive front, linebacker Micah Tights limited at practice. We haven't seen him for a while in Regina. Where does he fit in? Is it special teams now since uh, they've got Sankey, Moncrief, and uh, Dean back there at linebacker? I would assume so. Uh he is a beast on specials. Uh, I unless they're gonna put him there and then do the American somewhere else. I, I don't know, but can you it, it, put him nice in on uh, defense as a blitzer? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not that smart. I don't know. Me, me neither. <laughs> the Ryder fans, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that says it all, brother. <laughs> Uh, as for the Bombers, uh, Adam Big Hill has been limited. I think he's been limited all year, and he, he still gets out there day. and plays. Yeah. <laughs> uh, linebacker Malik Clements uh, hasn't practiced. Mike Miller, Janarian Grant hasn't practiced either, and pretty tough to see the global player, Theadric Hansen. Uh, he went down in the Labor Day game. It's been confirmed it's an Achilles injury. You never like to see that with, with any football player what do you see happening in this game because uh that i think the labor day surprised a lot of people jason moss called a great game up until the fourth quarter but going into winnipeg we thought labor day was loud that crowd on saturday they are going to be fired up it is sold out and I don't know if the Ryder offense has what it takes to be able to handle that. They need to, like, legitimately start off the Bangible the exact same way they started off Labor Day, but a couple of those field goals need to be touchdowns. Like, if they have any shot at winning this game, they need to they need to score on every position or every possession in the first quarter. 
and then hold on to it, which that's, that's the tough part. Uh, if Winnipeg scores on that opening possession, they're done. That's the way I see it. And it's going to be a very, very long game. So hopefully they can, Moss can pull his head out of his ass and call a good game. <laughs> and uh, hopefully he can exploit whatever weaknesses they can find in that, again, really good Winnipeg defense. Uh, Brady Oliveira had 12 carries for 38 yards against Saskatchewan on Labor Day. So that's a bright spot for the Rough Rider defense. Uh, They need to find a way to force a turnover. That's that's the bottom line. Um, Montreal's win against Winnipeg came at IG Field. But uh, that being said, I, I don't think Winnipeg will be overlooking Saskatchewan after the, the Labor Day game, they're going to be given uh, Fajardo and uh, the Ryder offensive line just different looks, and uh, it's going to be really tough for them to go into Winnipeg and uh, head back to Saskatchewan with a win. And I was I was saying it on the pod last week. Right now, uh, Ryder fans might have to cheer for Toronto against Ottawa. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Saskatchewan's got a pretty tough schedule coming up. Still two against Winnipeg. Still two against Calgary. And they got one against Edmonton. So it's... And Hamilton. They do have to go to Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton has been been pretty rough. But you, you never know what can happen when you're traveling traveling east for the Riders. But uh, yeah. three and eight Red Blacks, <laughs> if... <laughs> they keep stringing wins together. The crossover may be tough to achieve for Saskatchewan. Yeah, so <clears throat> Saskatchewan's three games up, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you so can't, there's no tiebreakers. Yeah, so. no ties. Yeah, so two games, yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 the same thing. Riders are cheering for whoever's playing Edmonton, and they're <laughs> cheering for whoever's playing Ottawa right now. That's basically <laughs> I guess maybe Montreal is in danger of uh, falling down to that spot too, but uh, there is a race to wrap up the season here. Uh, And and let's be honest, rider math in September is nothing new. (laughs) Rider math. We're back to that, man. (laughs) We are uh, going to the last game of the week. The Calgary Stampeders go to Edmonton for the rematch. Eight and a half point favorites the Stampeders are with the over under set at 50. Here's the deal <laughs> Labor Day, I think, surprised a lot of people. And I think Stamps fans, Edmonton fans thought that they were going to get absolutely smashed. But that didn't happen. And that includes a blocked punt, that includes a couple turnovers from the Edmonton offense. If they limit those, man, again, they've struggled at home. They've been terrible at home. They had the opportunity to beat Ottawa at home and didn't do it. So Calgary is a tougher task. But that being said, Calgary's beaten Edmonton three times this season. And to beat a team four times in a season, that's a lot easier said than done, man. Yeah, if... If roles were reversed and this game was a McMahon, I think that they'd have a chance. Uh, maybe uh, Chris Jones should pull out the white jerseys and pretend it's a road game, and maybe that'll help them. Uh, 
I, I, I can't see Mayer starting out that, that slow again. Uh, especially there's probably going to be a lot of people from Calgary traveling up too, especially since it's a Saturday. Um, I, uh, no, I, I think, I think this is the game that Calgary is going to throttle them. Like we thought that they were going to last week. It's, it's the same kind as the riders. We, we kind of hoped that they would do well at the, at the Labor Day game. And then usually like, then you would think, Oh, Winnipeg's going to beat the crap out of us in, in Winnipeg. But, uh, I, I don't see uh, Calgary's going to win by multiple touchdowns. I think. Well, and Edmonton did give Calgary fits in Calgary in the two games this year, and yeah. the one in Edmonton, Calgary beat them by six scores. So <laughs> I don't think it's going to be quite six, but uh... I I think what was surprising to me in the Labor Day game is that. Edmonton, well, as always, had some new faces in the lineup, and the, they performed quite well. Dylan Mitchell comes in, 2500 bucks on fantasy, six catches for 79 yards. That, that's a pretty good performance. Uh, what, 13, 14 fantasy points? And, hey, Jalen Marshall had the touchdown last week, and Calgary's got some injuries in their secondary right now. Um, the, the problem is they need to keep Calgary's defensive line off of Cornelius to, to be able to get the ball out. But without their number one playmaker, Edmonton, they played well. And at the half, what was it, tied at eight? I, I think yeah. that's probably as good as uh, Edmonton could have hoped for. So this can be an interesting game. Linebacker Niles Morgan, Morgan. In at linebacker, he was spotted at practice, and so was Trey Ford at quarterback. Now, the way I understand it, this is his last week on the six-game injured list, so he is eligible to practice, and uh, maybe if they want to get him to play, it's not until next week against Saskatchewan if they want to get him in there at all in this season. But either way, it's some (laughs) valuable reps for the young quarterback, and... uh, I would like to see him in there. He was exciting early in the season. And another Canadian guy, hey, drafted in the first round. Probably don't see him this week. I don't think so. But uh, Trey Ford already has a fan in me. Yeah, no, he's he kind of like Vernon Adams when he first started out. Hey, just running around and trying to do whatever he can. And, yeah, no, I, uh, I'm all for the Canadian quarterback. So it was definitely nice to see him have a little success. I, I was surprised at his success initially because Jones put him in there so quickly, I thought. Uh, but obviously, Jones is a head coach and a GM of a professional sports team, so he <laughs> might know what he's talking about, and I don't. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, he's going to come back in next week and maybe uh, give us a run for the, our money. It's a road game for Edmonton, so you never know. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Brown made his debut at running back for the Elks. I I, I thought he looked all right against Calgary as well. Um, yeah. And we talk about a team that needs balance in their attack, and it's it's Edmonton. And ever since James Wilder Jr. went down, 
The running game has just been a non-factor. There's been flashes here and there with Ante Milanovic, Lee Trey, and I'm a fan of him still. Uh, the guy's a hard-nosed running back. He just works hard and he looks mm-hmm. for contact. I mean, how do you not like it? But if Kevin Brown can have another nice game against Calgary, <laughs> I think they'll cover that eight and a half points. At least maybe that's the ever-loving optimist in me, but... <laughs> But you're right, Dave Dickinson is not going to put up with that slow of a start from that offense again. Uh, Calgary came out in the second half. Mayer made some great throws to Bagleton, Hukunavanu, and I think they're going to want to start off like that rather than <laughs> let Edmonton stay in it until you know the bitter end almost. Yeah, I think you have a different mentality on a road game. You want to start fresh, you want or fast, you want to. So I don't think like if this was last week and Mayer's struggling, I don't think he sticks with him in the second half like he did at home. Like I think that's when you put Bo in. Like you know, a lot of us on Twitter thought might be happening in, in that game. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think Mayer's going to have a bounce back game, ride that momentum of that second half. And I think what was uh, really a big factor last game is that uh, the Edmonton defensive line early on was playing pretty well. And they were mm-hmm. they were able to keep Kadeem Carey, hey, the best running back in the league, in check. Uh, Edmonton has been given up the most rushing yards per game this season, 112 a game. And they, they were able to limit Carey. I, I expect the Stamps... They're not going to want to allow that to happen again. Uh, Carey only had 13 carries for 61 yards. It's still a, a 4.7 yard average. Um, but And I know we had the touchdown, which was a beautiful touchdown, but they're going to want to get him going more. And uh, look, they need to give the ball, and they did mention Kevin Brown before. He had nine yards of carry, man. <laughs> Five carries, 45 yards. They're going to want to give him the ball even more, I think. But he did add six catches for 51 yeah. yards. So he was really, really a factor. And uh, who are they going to throw the ball to? I think that's the big question. Right now in my lineup, I have Darrell Walker. But I, I think I'm going to have to change that. We'll see. <laughs> but the veteran guy, he is now by far the elder statesman. And I say that as a term of endearment in the Edmonton receiving core. They need him to have a big game. And uh, they need to rely on him to string some wins together starting Saturday at Commonwealth Stadium. And I know they want a good uh, crowd at Commonwealth. And I really hope they get it. And I hope the Elks will be able to have a better performance than they did against Ottawa. At least give them an exciting game because (laughs) that that Ottawa game... It had a lot of people in Edmonton quite, quite angry, and I think it was the final straw for some of them. Yeah, well, I think, like, a lot of us are having fun. A lot of us non-Elk or Red Black fans are having fun with these, you know, they can't win at home stuff, but I legitimately want to see those fans be able to see something fun at their games. You know, I got a lot of friends who are Elk fans and Red Black fans, and I, I've lived through going to Ryder games where we win one or two games a, 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 at home a year, and it's not fun. So 
kudos to them for sticking with it. And I, I hope the ones that are, are done are not done done and they're just, you know, waiting to see something so that they can come back. But this just, I don't think it's going to be the week for that, but hopefully going forward, they can play a little bit more competitive at home, both teams. Hopefully the rivalry just adds to it. Uh, we know that Edmonton stole a game from Calgary on Labor Day last year and followed it up with a brutal performance. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's the opposite uh, this time around. With Pod Power, mm-hmm. our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Is This For Real? And it's a podcast about various facets of black life in Edmonton. In the first season of the show called Breaking the Blue Wall, host Omar Salafu explores anti-black racism and policing and tells stories about policing in schools, accountability in Alberta's policing system and the impacts of police violence on black Edmontonians. You can listen to the podcast and read more about each episode at isthisforreal.ca. You can also support the work of these podcasters and future seasons on Patreon. As of this moment, Sheldon, what is your fantasy lineup looking like? First, I'll say that I've got the Argos fan cast and Ty as Oz Davis of Rouge, White, and Blue in the CFL Podcast Fantasy League. Good luck to you guys both. <laughs> We've uh, been I, I, uh, <laughs> seasons. Yeah. Tyrell's doing good to pick him, at least. So that's good. He is. He is, yep. <laughs> uh, okay, so I got Zach Caleros. You know, uh, I think the past four or five, except for last week, I've been taking the, the Riders' opposite quarterback. So they got a I'll great defense. Why are you doing that? No, I know. Are, are they? Is it paying off or no? No, no, not at all. <laughs> but but I, I, I feel like I have a jinx when it comes to my fantasy sometimes. So if I if I pick them, they're not going to do that team. well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I got Zach, uh, and then I I got Frankie Hickson. Like I for forty three hundred dollars, you can't go wrong picking him with what he's been doing as long as Jason Moss uses him. Uh, then I have just one ante from the Alouettes, and I got Dalton Schoen. I have uh, Curly Gittens Jr., uh, Mario Alford. Super Mario is going to be returning it a lot, I think. <laughs> I think the Palmer's going to score a good amount of touchdowns, so hopefully he can get a couple good returns. Uh, and then I do have the Bombers defense, which left me with $255. I'm rolling with Nick Arbuckle. The great Nick Arbuckle in uh, in Ottawa getting the new statue outside of TD Place before Henry Burris. The greatest. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm riding. Uh, hey, 6300 bucks. I can't go wrong with that. Uh, so my running backs are Frankie Hickson and Devontae Williams. Darvin Adams, Dominic Rimes, Darrell Walker are my receivers. We'll, we'll see if I... Well, I changed that up. Who's the receiver that uh, that Vernon Adams is going to be looking towards? Is it Dom Rimes? Is it Bur- – well, he's got lots of options in uh, the BC offense, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah. And uh, the Ottawa defense, 3700 bucks. I got 900 left over. Ottawa's going to watch them. They're going to crush Toronto. I'm going all in on Ottawa. Okay. But if you want to <laughs> save some money – or get some more money for your switch on the walker, 
the Bombers' defense is cheaper than Ottawa's defense. They are. They, I don't understand how, but they are. Well, we've well, seen guess, in well, we've we've seen in years past where some defenses end up being worth like five thousand bucks, but they haven't done that hmm. this year. And I don't know if we're seeing less pick sixes that are changing the math formula when it comes to this, but defenses aren't being they're, they're not worth what we've seen in in the past playing this game. So right now our pick'em well it did line up. I, I saw you switch your red blacks pick to the Argos. Uh yeah. I, but I got uh, Lions, Red Blacks, Bombers, Stamps uh at this moment in time. But I might switch that to Edmonton. Just because I cheer for chaos. Let, let's see what happens. But you got Lions, okay. Argos, Bombers, Stamps, right? Yeah. Hey, I hope I, I'm wrong on one of my picks. but <laughs> And I think between the two of us in our Zoom backgrounds, we have the entire set of CFL Slurpee Cups. Do you have the Elks one? Oh, I don't have it on me. No. I know where it is, but I will make the collection at Monday Night Raw, September 26th, and we will all have the full set of CFL Slurpee Cups. What's your favorite cup? Here's your Hamilton. Oh, there's my, hey, there's my Ticats cup. I got the (laughs) R. Your Argos Uh, and Stamps are over there. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh... I like the 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 two, or the three, I guess, different ones that come with the Um... They they seem like better like like a better quality. They were more expensive, so it makes sense. Um, I just don't like these ones because they have a stupid Pepsi logo on it. And nobody- <laughs> okay, by your estimation, the biggest controversy of the CFL season: Garrett Marino, Slurpee cups, or air horns? I might wow. be air horns. Yeah, I was super mad at Airhorns, and then I just changed my mind. I'm fine with the Airhorns, so uh, um, yeah, we're, Airhorns. Well, we're gonna be hearing the Airhorns Friday night. Vernon Adams Jr. is gonna be on the opposite end of them. We'll see how yeah. TSN has him mic'd up. <laughs> I wonder it's, if he likes it. Yeah, it's Airhorns or Merino. I think the Slurpee Cups early on was pretty divisive. It was. There, there's a lot of red, blacks, and uh, and Alouette fans who are pretty pissed off. That they we need some custom cup, Slurpee uh, cups. Yep. Yeah, I. You know a guy <laughs> <laughs> who's got a 3D printer that can do some good quality stuff. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Oh man, it's been good to talk to you. Uh, enjoy getting out of COVID protocol and uh, entering the real world again. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back to work tomorrow. That oh. sucks. <laughs> I should have went and saw you on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I, I could have still given you that hug. <laughs> you can rate, review, and subscribe to Tune Out on your favorite podcatcher and uh, head to YouTube and ring the bell and subscribe on there. Uh, but be nice to us. Be be nice. This is Sheldon's debut on YouTube. I will say that the comments on YouTube have been very kind so far because I've seen comments on other YouTube videos and <laughs> none of them are kind. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, yeah. 
my eyes are gonna look a little weird on YouTube, so don't mess. Don't. I'm Why? Looking, I'm been, well, just because my I'm on my phone instead of a laptop, so I'm looking oh, over here. That's all right. But that's I'm looking right. at you, which is over here. We having fun. We're having fun. Hey, thanks for stepping in and uh, coming on the show this Anytime. week. And you you got the prep sheet this time, so that's good news. And uh, <laughs> and you get your very first angry elk in there. It was a great episode altogether. <laughs> and I, I I kind of did some research too because you know nailed it. A lot of stuff happened in wrestling this weekend that I've been paying attention to. And, and you know, unfortunately, something else, too, has been happening this weekend that we've all been getting uh, alerts. But I just, as we're recording, Tam said that they actually uh, actually caught him. So Really? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, obviously, yeah, it's been a serious few days in Saskatchewan. Uh, a lot going on, uh, lives lost, lives altered. So I hope uh, all. I hope people find peace and support that they need in this time. And uh, there you go. Some things are more important than football, but thanks for joining us for this little distraction. I hope we've been able to yeah. provide that for you. And we'll talk to you on Monday after the games. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.